right. Good evening, gentlemen. We are going to look at Perik Yud Zion. Now, we've been doing a very nice flow. We discussed in chapter 14 what an Adam is and how he could be, as they say, uh, standing erect next to Hashem. Doesn't mean standing, but he's firm in his position. And then we had the idea of tzur. We explained that Hashem is the source of all realities. When Hashem says, you stand next to me by the tzur, we explain all that. And Perak Yud Ches, the next one, fits into this flow as well. We're all talking about the human being trying to approach Hashem from an intellectual and spiritual level. That's the whole thing from Yud Dalet to Yud Ches. When we talk about all these words that seem man is going up to Hashem and sitting next to Hashem and this, it doesn't. It means his progress spiritually to encounter Hashem. That's the flow of these five chapters. But the problem with this one in Yud Zion is he seems to totally talk about something else, and the, and the commentaries will discuss what is this issue that he's discussing and how it could connect. To have any understanding of this Rambam, and then don't get. I, I know what you're going to think when you see the title Aristotle on Change. Or you get well, they're not up to this philosophy. You only got to know one part. You don't have to like be a bucky in this, but just one part because the is going to reference it. And if I don't learn a little bit, you're not going to understand what he's talking yeah, about. Was it Aristotle who changed like two fives for a ten? Yeah, not sure. exactly. Not exactly. Now, we don't, this, this, this you don't have to ask a lot of kashas on, you know, like in depth. I just want to just say enough that we can get into this piece over here. Now, one of the things Aristotle believes is that things that are perfect do not change. Okay? Just, just accept that's what he said. And he says that the world is perfect and it doesn't change. Now, what he eventually is going to, he's getting this idea of, of Olam Kadmo, that the world always was. This was one of the big philosophies. How do you deal with the issue of existence? So he says the world always was. That's it. It's a perfect world. Perfect world never changes. So nothing has to change. Aye, but sometimes, you know, um, you know, there might be some changes, but they're minor changes. Or uh, Plato said, you know, really, uh, we don't even realize it's only what, what appears to us, but even not that, or whatever. But they basically had no concept of creation. That was their main thing, no concept of creation. And they had, from a philosophical point of view, we don't have to get it and slug it out, but it made sense from a philosophical point of view because, in other words, it would require change. Now, the problem is, if there was nothing there, how does something come? Right? How do you explain it? No. I thought it was always there now. No, no, that's, that's what he's saying. If, if you want to say the world was created, that means there was nothing and there's something, how could that be? That yeah. can't be. Yeah. You can't, I mean, it's true. From the laws of physics, matter cannot be created or destroyed. Even though he didn't know that, but maybe he was macham into it. But he's saying, listen, if you can't go from nothing to something. And if something is good, there's no need for it to change. So if it's here and this world's been here, it's always been the same, so to speak. They didn't have the tools to measure that were one degree higher and it's climate change we're gonna to burn towards crisp in six million years. So they felt the world always was the way it was and it does not require any change. 
that therefore the world must be eternal and eternal existence. And whatever changes exist, he explained the concept of how that could happen, which we'll get to. The Rambam, on the other hand, says, said this before, she said, really, what you're saying from philosophy is logical. Not that he agreed with it, but philosophically is logical. On the other hand, I could tell you an idea that maybe the world wasn't created, and I can give you a philosophical debate the other way. But the Rambam says, but the bottom line is, the Torah tells us the world was created. So even though the Rambam, as a philosopher, make it clear, says, listen, you may be philosophically correct, Aristotle, and we can debate it, because I can give you a philosophical understanding that the world came from nothing. But the bottom line is, I can't accept what you're saying, because we have a Masora, God told us he created the world, and therefore there was something from nothing, and therefore that's that. Fine, that's step number one. Now comes this other thing about change. So let's look about puzzles about change. Again, you don't have to know this perfectly. You just got to know a couple main points. We know this was a topic that puzzled Aristotle's predecessors. Plato said that real things, forms, which our Hebrew will say is homer. Okay? Don't change. And restricted change to the realm of appearances, the physical world. In other words, they don't really change, just outwardly. Okay, forget about parmenes, whatever. Change is often described both by Aristotle's predecessors as coming to be, or Genesis. And Aristotle gives an example of an argument against coming to be. Fine. Okay, for what is does not come to be, since it already is. And nothing comes to be from nothing. That was his logic. If it is, it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be created. Right. It's not good. there, where is it coming from? The argument is basically there are only two ways that something can come to be, either from what it is or from what it's not, but neither is possible. Therefore, nothing can come to be. Wow. Okay. Aristotle wants to give an analysis of coming to be, meaning change, because the problem is there are are changes. The problem was, okay, you want to say a perfect thing doesn't change, but don't you notice some changes exist? Yeah, it's perceptive. So it will enable him to avoid this dilemma. His account is designed to explain both how change in general is possible and coming into existence is possible. So we're going to look at the Aristotelian coming. Turn the page. And this is his account. Okay, Aristotle's account is contained in physics. Okay, he insists that there must be three basic ingredients in every case of change. Plato only says two, but he says three. In addition to pair of opposites, there must be an underlying subject of change. Okay, just keep reading. The basic case of change involves a pair of opposed or contrary properties and a subject that loses one of them and gains the other. But Aristotle does not even insist that there be an opposed pair of properties, not like Plato. But in another way, this is not necessary. For one or the other, the contraries would, by its presence or absence, be sufficient to bring about change. So, here's the point. The ingredients Aristotle insists are is an underlying subject, which we call homer, mass, and a form, 
which we call tsura, the shape of it, a positive property. So what he really, and this is where the Rambam will agree. Why? Because he said, I don't agree to you because you're a good philosopher because we hold of this too, okay? And he's found in all the writings of the, the big mystics and the morale and this, that you have Homer and Tzura. Homer and Tzura. Homer is the mass, Tzura is the shape. You'll have examples of this in a minute. But there's a third thing, which calls a lack of that form, privation or a deficiency, which he will explain. He gives two good examples. A man who was unmusical becomes musical. Example one. Example two, some bronze, which was shapeless, becomes a statue. Okay, so what does that mean? In case A, the subject is man. Okay, that's the homer. That's the mass. He's just a hunk of mass. For him to be a musician, that's form. In other words, the, the, the mass was worked over he learned how to play music. So he's a mass that now has a form that he could play music. You understand? So you got the actual mass and then how it's shaped and, and formed into the subject is acted upon, so to speak. In the case of, of the other one, the subject is bronze. The form is the statue. Okay, so that's fine. Now, how does change come? Change comes when there's found to be something lacking in the present form and subject. What does that mean? You figure, okay, you got this guy, he's like, mom is perfect. He's a person, he can play, it's amazing. It's perfect, yeah? You've got a piece of bronze, it's been shaped as a statue, it's perfect. So how could that ever change? So he says change comes from a certain what he calls privation or deficiency that evolves. What does this mean? So he's a perfect example. The subject is man, the form is musical, and the privation is unmusical. In other words, he was he was lacking, wasn't he lacking? In musical talent. He didn't have musical talent. He was a man. But because he was lacking it, that's what the change, you need all three factors for change to happen. Do you have the mass, which is there, and Lachari has got, man has a tsura, he has some kind of shape, he's got brains of this, but now all of a sudden he wants to play music. So he was perfect, but he wants to play music, but that brings in an imperfection. So now what do we do? That was where the change happened. And the fact he was, uh, when you're when there's a privation, you could have mass, you can have form, but there could still be a privation of it. And that causes change. Well, you have to lack something. In order to that was his hit-ish. Okay. So, so it, yeah, yeah, yeah. So in the case of bronze, the form is statue, the privation is shapeless. The subject, the man or the bronze, persists through the change of the other terms involved, the early ones, unmusicality and shapelessness, cease to exist while the later ones, musicality and statue, come into existence. These were cases of coming to be. 
since lacks of privations were replaced by forms. Ceasing to be, destruction occurs when a form is replaced by a privation when matter is derived of any form. This would happen, for example, when the statue is melted down into a shapeless pool of bronze. The bronze persists, but the statue has ceased to exist. Okay, we can get into all kinds of great discussions. The main thing that I want you to know are these three terms, the terms of the subject, which is what we call Homer, the form, which we call Tsura, and then the lack of a, a deficiency in that, which will cause a new type of form to bring it to that perfection. So like a Hisronos? Yeah, it's, but it, it doesn't have to be missing something, it just doesn't have something. The man, let's say, was very happy in life. All of a sudden, first time in his life, he hears a band playing. He says, wow. I wish I could play. Man, I feel deprived that I don't know how to play. Well, you didn't find, feel deprived beforehand. So now how does change come? Comes, change comes when there's something missing. So that's how they deal with this issue. Okay, that's all you need to know for this. So now when we come to these terms, you're going to appreciate them better. What the Rambam is going to say, and the title I'm going to give the class is... Where was it? Yes, the need to obfuscate wording. Whoa. Why do we need to use allegories? Why do you use Mishalom and synonyms and homonyms? Why can't we say it exactly the way it say is? Say it like it is. Because you know what? People won't be able to handle it. That's the mania soul. And what he's going to say is, guess what? I didn't come up with this idea. The philosophers, Aristotle, they did it too. Words, people can't handle it. Can you imagine you're telling them these lofty ideas, change doesn't exist, the world always exists. People, not too many people are that clever to be philosophers, to understand certain things that people who don't have that kind of mind are going to think you're crazy. The world is it's crazy. So therefore, all the Rambam is going to say in this first half is don't, don't be surprised that, I'm, that we're explaining all these metaphors and things don't really, they, people don't really understand what's going on. They think Hashem is a rock. They think Hashem takes up a space. And we were using all these metaphors. Why don't we say it the way it is? He says, you know what? Don't blame me. Let's go to Aristotle. He did the same thing. And he's going to give an example. When we're going to come to these things of the shape and form, you know what Aristotle called shape and form? Male and female. Wow. Why is he calling it male and female? Because people are too uh, stupid to understand what it really is, or they, there's too much cognitive dissonance to beyond their heads. So it makes it really simple. Male, female. Everyone knows what male and female is, right? Male produces into the female, and the male puts the form into the mass, and that's how you make people make a baby, right? So he, he used that, so I don't have to be, so in other words, I don't agree with the philosophy of Aristotle, because Aristotle says the world always existed. Even though he's a very logical guy, and if I didn't have a Torah, I might even agree with him, but I can give arguments the other way, and back and forth, and there really is no proof either way, but the Torah says, so I can't argue. But now as I'm trying to explain all these issues that are dealing with all the 
words that seem to indicate corporeality to Hashem. So I have to explain this. And what does it mean? Because eventually what it's really leading into is how do we get the prophecy? Because that's where your mamish, you're bonding the infinite with the finite. And that's right. the issue. And that's where all the difficult words and all the mistakes come in. And that's why you have four went into the parties and only one came out sane. Where they exposed all this kind of stuff. So he's saying... But I just, is it still recording? I just want to make sure. Because it disappeared from the thing. I just want to make sure it's recording. Yes, sir. Okay. okay. All right. So now, so he's saying, so, so certain people cannot handle metaphysics. That's what the Rambam's talking about. And it's the worst that the people who can't handle physics. And that's all he's saying in the beginning. So, Lo Tachshov, you shouldn't think, Ki Achachma Lo Kislevad, that only metaphysics alone, He Animnanos Mina Hamon, is something that we have to hold back from the masses and obfuscate it. Right? Aval, but no, the truth is, Rov Chachma Sateva, most of the regular physics works the same way that they withhold things. I already have repeated to you the dictum of the Talmud that says that we're not allowed to learn You don't learn the creation of the world, which is pure metaphysics, with two people. It's already too many people because they're going to get the wrong ideas over here. And that's not only for Torah learning people, but even the philosophers do this. And the early wise men of old ago, would conceal these words, and especially in the very uh, nature of beginnings of things. And... Uh, Let's say talk about the creation of the world like that, and they would be using uh, what they say umedarim bechidos, and they would speak in riddles or parables or metaphors. Aflaton and Plato, who came before him, hayakore they called hachomer the mass, the objects called it hanekeva. They called it the female. Vahatsura and that which gives it the shape. Sochor, they called it male, because males act upon and the female receives. Okay, so that is what he's talking about. We have the subject and the form. Okay, fine. Good. So that's one thing. Now, he adds now, And you know, And all existing things that are transient. I mean, things that change. How does change come? Shalosh, you need three factors. And that's what I read with you before. We need the chomer. You need the mass. The tzura is the form or the shape. Ve'haheder ha'miyuchad. And some distinct deficiency. And with that deficiency, now you're going to put a new shape to it. That is what the guy being musician shaping it into a statue. Okay. Asher hu mechubar lechomer la'olam, which is now connected to the mass always. Velule hischabru sa'eder lechomer, if we wouldn't have this deficiency with the mass, lo higiel of tzur, we would never come to any need for shape. In other words, the musician 
the guy, if he was never a musician, we'd never have a musician, right? But now that he wants to play music, there's a deficiency. Now we give him a shape of a musician. And he says, And that's how things begin that way, with things that are deficient. And if once it finally, let's say it gets to the, it gets fulfilled. So what's going to happen? What happens now if a guy can play a guitar? So what's going to happen? There's no deficiency anymore. It's not made that way forever? What's going to happen? He's going to get better or he's going to get worse. He's going to, what did we say he's playing? Guitar. Now he's going to want to play the flute. Let me try something else. I'm bored with this. Is there anything else I can play? There's a new deficiency. Clomer Haeder at Servigas. Okay, we already, we already had a, a, a new deficiency. The Yechuber Lavader, a new deficiency. That's where it always comes. Kamoshi, Sparbachachmas Hateva, as has been explained in the wisdom of nature, meaning change is continuous. For matter is never satisfied with its present There's state. There's some deficiency that you're lacking. That's right. And, of course, he's beginning to see, um, isn't this going to be a spiritual concept too? Yeah. All right? Man is created, never satisfied with what he has. He has, oh, but I, I don't have this. Now you have that. And this can also be understood in terms of what? Money. Intellect. But I'm saying, but intellect's the same thing with Torah. In other words, this, so man, so the world metaphor, metamorphoses into that, and so does, and you know, we're, we're not going to say that Darwin's whole idea is true, but there are certain animals, you know, uh, people, animals adapt. Certain adaptations happen for that, right? Now, so let's figure, now he's going to make a kavachim. He says, so what does it matter if a goy doesn't know philosophy? Is the end of the world? It's not the end of the world. And still, and besides, who, who do you think uh, Aristotle is talking to? Would he even bother talking to Dumbos? No. So, and he's speaking to people who really are in the philosophy game. And he still is using all these symbolisms and that. And the other it doesn't really matter. It has nothing to do with your old Mahab or anything like that. If they did it, and they were using, uh, what do you call it, parables and things like that. And things that uh, of the imagination, but living in the learning. So, shouldn't we, who are intelligent religious people, we shouldn't say things that are very hard for the masses to understand because now we're talking about the infinite reality of Hashem. And boy, we got to be careful not to make mistakes in that area. That makes a big difference between being a kaifer or not. So you can understand why I'm changing the usages here. Or they may think the opposite of what we're trying to accomplish. So what the Rabbim is saying is, so we must proceed carefully. This has to be a very careful pursuit. And don't be upset that I'm giving all these allegories and other meanings and this and that. We got to go slow, guys. I know you want to understand everything in one thing. You got to take it very slow. Okay, that's the basic 
And therefore, what we'll see is the human mind, obviously, is hungry for change. And the Ramam is being very careful to feed us slowly. So now the question is, if you have another three minutes, the question is, so what does this have to do with what we've been talking about in the other chapters? We're talking about man's ascent to God. And why is it? So you can say it like this. And this is the basic difference between Rambam and all these philosophers who really were really idol worshippers to a certain extent. So, what did we learn yesterday? Hashem is called the Tzor, the rock. Okay, now, let's think for a minute. So what did, what did these uh, philosophers say? Well, there's the mass and the form. Okay, and therefore, who is what? Well, the mass is the female, form is the and the form is the male. Very good. Now, what did the Ram? And what's the Hebrew word for form? Surah. Surah. And how the Rambam explained surah, the thing that's the start of everything, right? right? So it very well. Surah. The word surah is that word in in language. Is it male or female? Hebrew. Female ends in an ahe. Hey, wait a minute. The tsura is the female? Wait a minute. The homer is the female. Tsura is the male. It's the male. So what's going on over here? Yeah, what is going on? Ah, so what's Hashem called? Sur. Sur, not sura. Sur is the. The The what? The The shape. But male. Yeah, the form. So what is this telling us? It's telling, and we said Sur, he went out of the way, he said Sur is the beginning. Everything comes from that, right? It's like the quarry where everything comes from. So this is what he's saying. Even though the philosophers feel that there is this Zohar that starts the process of the form, to the shape to the, to the mass, and it looks like the way their vision of the world is, there's some force out there that's a male force Somewhere. that's not God, and that is what creates the changes that happen. Really, that's a sophisticated form of idol worship. Yeah. Okay, but the Ram says the problem with you guys is you didn't take it one, you didn't go to the tzur. You, what you are calling the shaper, and you're saying that's the male, you know what? He might be a male, but yet we call it a female. Why do we call it a female? Because, you know, it's the female to the tzur male of Hashem. Right. So it's like this. We have three steps. We have Hashem is the tzur. Then you have the tzur. That's the real source. And that's the male. That's the real source. Now, when Hashem gives the energy to what will ultimately be the shaper, yeah. that's tzura. You know why? Because it gets the ability to shape from Hashem. So it's a receiver. It receives the, the ability for tsura to shape, which is a male quality, first has to receive it from Hashem. Tzura. And then when it receives it from the tsur, gives it to the tsura, then the tsura can now shape. become the male and shape the Homer. And this is what the whole Ramam is trying to show us over here. That's why that's the connection. It's a beautiful connection. Because now we're talking why Hashem is the source. He's the real source and not idols. Even though scientifically, no, it's all those uh, particles of this. Those are the shapers. Those are the things that shape the protons and neutrons. They're shaping it all. They're the male. And, and what results in that 
form in in, in the uh, mass is the female, and and we idolize the science of this. No, no, no. There is a God who's making physics happen. That's the part where Rambam has to part ways with them, and that's how this all fitting into here. Good. Wasn't too hard. No. Well, you can always listen to it. <laughs>